What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blondes Building Equity. This guest was super hard for us to track down. He is a busy, busy man, and that's because he's just accomplished so much. And so, you know, he's got a lot of people counting on him, so he's really, really busy, but I'm so excited to have him today. He has done over 6,000 wholesales. He is in 140 markets across the country. It is insane. He has Astro Flipping with almost 5,000 members, a huge community that's diehard for him. And he has a show with Pace Morby. I'm a huge fan of Pace Morby. So that's super awesome. So this guy is honestly doing it all. And it's really exciting. He's been in the business for 20 years. So I'm super excited to have him on and learn anything that we can from him today. So welcome, Jamil. Tell us a little Thank about you. yourself. Thank you guys for having me on again. <laughs> really sorry for how hard it was to do this, but I'm really excited to be on here and uh, welcome. Uh, nice to meet all of your audience and guests. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Uh, so a little bit about me. I've been in real estate for a couple of decades. I have uh, actually started in 2002 where I accidentally stumbled into wholesaling as a way for me to make some money. I didn't have any mentors or any coaches coming up. I actually started my real estate career in Canada. That's where I grew up. And uh, basically accidentally found wholesaling because my business partner at the time was looking for a specific type of house that him and his father could demolish and, and build luxury duplexes on. So I was walking my dog and called a house that was for rent and asked the lady if she'd be interested in selling her house instead of renting it. And that unfolded for me what became the most incredible career of my life. And so uh, since then, I had uh, on my first ascent in, uh, in my career in real estate, I had uh, amassed around $12 million in, in, in income from my wholesale career. And then 2008 happened and I lost everything. Not only did I lose all my money, but I ended up bankrupting myself, my parents, my sister. We all we all became homeless because of uh, personal guarantees that I asked everybody to sign on uh, loans that I was taking out for construction purposes. So I've I've seen a lot. I've seen you know the highs. I've seen the lows. I um, had to rebuild myself from that catastrophe and the the first the first uh, tanking of the real estate market in the Great Recession. And so, you know, I, I, I feel like I have a good understanding of, of how to really do this business in a way that's safe and ethical. And I think that's one of the things that people gravitate towards me for in wholesale because, you know, wholesaling has a real interesting rap out there. Some people will look at wholesalers as, uh, you know, opportunists or people who who may or may not add you know a tremendous amount of value to a situation for me i always look at wholesaling from an ethical point of view right there is no business in trying to take equity from people in fact my my whole philosophy on on what we do is i love to give sellers as much as i can possibly give them on a house uh but also knowing that I have to leave enough meat on the bone for my buyer once mm -hmm. I, I sell them a contract. And so there's, a, there's a, a very fine and delicate balance that's required when you are doing this business. And, and I think that's the reason why Bigger Pockets made me the subject matter expert for wholesale, because leading even up to this point, Bigger Pockets wasn't super interested in promoting wholesalers either. So mm. I feel like I've, I'm, I'm forging a path for wholesale to become 
a very respected way to invest in real estate. Mm. Wow. That's actually really good to hear because I have the same thought process too about wholesaling where it does feel like sometimes they just want a quick buck and there are a lot of people that do. And so maybe it gives the people a bad name that actually have good intentions, but it's the same thing for flippers. Like we got told that all the time by the neighbors, like, oh, you guys are flippers. Like you're probably not doing a good job, blah, blah, blah. Like you're just using cheap materials. And we are very unintentional with our flips and we don't just use cheap materials because we want our name to transcend just a couple flips. So you don't do, you know, really bad flips and have a name that transcends that. So I really think that's inspiring. And I I really appreciate that as well, because for us as investors, you know, you can't be good at it all. And Mm -hmm. having, you know, you have those big companies where you have the wholesaling within the flipping company. But for those of us that don't, we would love an honest Mm -hmm. wholesaler that we can rely on that's bringing us the deal that can cut that out of our time block Mm -hmm. every single day for also finding the deals. And so, but we've worked with, you know, not honest wholesalers and there's hidden fees and all these things that come up and they'll say anything to get the deal done. And I feel like kind of like real estate agents (laughs) sometimes too, you know? So unfortunately, you know, it's, it's in every business. Yeah. In every business, you can't say everybody's bad, but if you guys are the honest wholesalers, I think as an investor, that's a dream, Yeah, you know, for all of us to be able to be like, wow, I can trust you and you're going to supply leads. That's huge. I want to dive into, um, when you lost everything, because I don't think people talk about that enough. When you were, Back in like 2008. So were you flipping and were you just over leveraged? And that's what kind of led to the downfall or what, what exactly happened? Great question. So I had, uh, was primarily wholesaling and that's where I, I generated, you know, all of my money really. But yeah, I, I let ego get the best of me. Mm. And what I had seen is I was wholesaling apartment. I, I went from single family houses to then wholesaling apartment buildings because I, I realized at that point, wow, there's a business model in finding projects or potential projects for developers, whether they be small builders or even people who are doing condo conversions. And so in that thought process, I, I realized, okay, well, I can just drive around and look for these apartment buildings that have handwritten for rent signs on them and call them because, you know, if a, if a person's got a handwritten for rent sign outside of a 20 unit building, it's very unlikely that they have a property manager. And I was right mm. most of the time. So I would talk to these, you know, owner operators of these small multifamily buildings and uh, I would put them under contract and wholesale them to developers who were doing condo conversions. Well, there was this one developer that I sold to that, you know, uh, came to meet me one day and he pulls up in this beautiful Rolls Royce Phantom. And I'm like, wow, you know, what is it like to to have a car like that or to, to be that rich? Like this guy really has it figured out. And I was young too, in my mid twenties. And so it just, it you know, it all, it all kind of really got the best of me. And I decided I wanted to be a developer as well and do these condo conversions. And so instead of even starting small, I made so many mistakes at this point, right? Mm. Instead of starting small and just doing one apartment building, I bought four of them, right? And so (sighs) I I close on these four buildings. And and this is the part that was really uh, hard for me to understand and swallow. See, I, I, I ended up getting these construction loans from the same company that gave me the acquisition loan. And the way that they would do their financing was they would have you pre-sell 50% of a project before they would give you uh, the financing. But if you could pre-sell 50% of the project, they would uh, essentially finance you 
like 80%. And, and so that was pretty attractive for me. And that's 80% for acquisition and, and 100% of renovation. So, you know, that's, that's really good. Mm-hmm. So I'm in these conversions and then all of a sudden the credit crunch happens and the lending institution calls us and says, hey, you know, I know we have given you these construction or these acquisition loans and, and partial construction loans to do your, your projects, but our lending standards have changed. And so all of the pre-approvals that you have for those buyers that we based our loan off of, they need to be re-qualified. And I'm like, you can do that? They said, yeah, there's, if you read the document that you assigned our, our mortgage, there's a provision in there that says if the economic conditions change, we reserve the right to requalify your loan. Oh, God. And so what they obviously requalified all the people. And because the standards had changed so dramatically, barely any of them requalified. So because of that, they called every single one of my loans. And I had no way, I had no way to pay these loans off. We're talking millions and millions of dollars and they want the money in 30 days. And so it was tough. It was a, it was a really, really difficult thing for me because, you know, I, 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 I talk about this a lot, you know, that I am, I, I do fix and flip and, and we do a pretty good job fixing and flipping. My sister, just like you two, is really keen on design. I, I actually had a chance to look at some of your guys' remodels before I hopped onto the podcast today. And you guys do a beautiful job. And, you. you know, I, I, <laughs> I love that. And I, I love the fact that you're so intentional and so uh, responsible in the way that you do your work. My sister is very, very much like that. She really takes pride in the projects that we do. But if it was me, if I was the person that was going to be managing those projects, I would never do as good of a job as she does. And so for me, I, I believe in, in really honing in on what your like real passion mm, yeah. in this mm-hmm. business is and do that, you yeah. know? And so I, I love deals. I love deal making. I'm a deal junkie. I love I love evaluating property. I love underwriting deals. I love looking for creative opportunities to add value and and spot potential. For me, that's just the stuff that wakes me up in the middle of the night, just like excited, you know, it Mm. it gets me up in the morning and, and gets me out of my bed faster than anybody because I enjoy what I do as a wholesaler so, so much. And so I've just leaned into that now. You know, yeah. I, I, I really take pride in, in what we do. I love showing people how I wholesale and how they can reach financial in- independence really without, you know, needing any money, any credit. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have one of my youngest students is 15 years old. And this, you know, wow. he started when he was 15. He's 17 now. But can you imagine being 17 years old and making $50,000 a month? Yeah. I mean, I can't it's imagine. <laughs> You know? Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I think with wholesaling, it's such a great opportunity, especially, you know, at different times of the market, like yeah. you said. There, I think a lot of influencers in the real estate space really 
pass over the amount of risk that you mm. take on and it can be really, really scary. And with yeah. what you said, I think it's so important to talk about the losses and the wins. So yeah. people are aware that because most of us who do get into real estate, um, we, we get into it for a reason. We have this confidence in ourselves. We're natural entrepreneurs. We want more out of life, but our ego can easily get yeah. in the way because yeah. we think, oh, we're special and we're, we're meant to make millions of dollars or whatever, because yeah. that's most entrepreneurs, right? Um, and then you end up in a situation where you get in trouble. And I think that just comes with time and with learning. And so everybody has a different strategy. Obviously, Grant Cardone will tell you it's the same amount of work for one duplex as it is a 50, yeah. you know, but you lose a 50, lot more thousand unit apartment complex. Yeah. And, and maybe it is, but the amount of knowledge that is, is required mm. so that your investors are safe I is agree. not the same. And yeah, even totally us, agree. we've been so humbled. Um, yeah throughout this journey of real estate <laughs> investing, just because, you know what, we are in LA and our market is multi-million dollar houses. And we love to do that because we love design and we, but it's also the risk you take on when the market is shifting mm -hmm. and all these things happening. It's a lot different than if I'm doing a $200,000 house, if I'm doing a 3 million, yeah. because, and so even to our audience and preaching, it's, it's like, we always want to be upfront and honest, like, this is scarier and I don't think you should start here, yeah. you know? And like, if you yeah. lose on this deal, you're losing 200 grand. And you're not right, losing right. 20 grand. Yeah. And with wholesaling, I think that's so beautiful because that's an amazing way to start where you learn how to find deals, you learn how to work with investors and the risk is very, very minimal. So I think a great place to start for people who don't have money and that's most people starting Yeah. Out. And another thing I kind of learned from your story is it sounded like you got approved for that loan very quickly. It seemed almost too good to be true. And that's kind of the same for like the lenders that we went with for, I mean, our first two deals were like $2 million each. And, you know, we're like 25, we're just starting out flipping houses and we got approved right away. And it was like 85% right. leveraged, a hundred percent of the construction. And what I'm realizing, if it's something, if something's too good to be true, most of the time, those people aren't doing the correct due diligence, which they didn't on our project. And now we learned oh, the reason we didn't get approved for these other ones is because there were a few things that we kind of overstepped with this deal and didn't correctly do the proper due diligence. So if yeah. it's too good to be true, you might want to check some other options because yeah. that's actually not good for you. Yeah. You don't just want to get money handed to you too easily because then what happened to you? Like that's the scariest thing ever. You're in those loans. Then they're like, by the way, the market's changing. We need to do more due diligence and you're already in it. And you're like, so exactly. now you need to do more due diligence. What do you mean? And Where was that was before? What was really interesting with them is they, they, they ended up taking the assets back, but then they re sold them all for massive profits. So it's like, Oh my God. I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, at, at some level, at some level, I, I would, I really, you know, you know, I, I don't believe in going back and like, you know, trying to you know, uh, ruffle old feathers and, and, and create a stink where there's, you know, no, I'm, I'm, you know, moving forward and life is phenomenal for me. So I don't have time for negativity, but in reality, I think that what happened to me was predatory and fraud. Mm. You know, I, I think that the, that it, cause it was a very small uh, institution. I wouldn't even call it an institution, a very small, you know, lending firm. And uh, I think that they knew what they were doing. I think mm, that they, yeah. they knew really that I was not going to be able to get these refinanced very easily. And um, they liked the assets. 
And so they ended up getting them. And they made oh, so much money reselling those properties. It, it, it sickened so me. And that's why like, I think a lot of people in this world, and not everybody, there's so many amazing people in this world, and I was an eternal optimist. I <laughs> love everyone. And I have just been in business, learned that, you know what? Most people, especially in business, it's a doggy dog world. Mm -hmm. Everybody's trying to make money and you have to have your own back. Yeah. You cannot yeah. fully, if someone tells you we bought a property with an easement that we were lied to about and all these things. And at the end of the day, we sat down with each other and we're like, this is our own fault. This is our own problem because we should have not trusted his word. We should have done the due diligence mm -hmm. on our own, had our lawyer check it out. Like those are things like, unfortunately, you have to rely on like your your own due diligence and yourself never just trust someone always yeah. do your own due diligence always check what's going on because some people and hopefully you know after years and years and You'll years weed in the business you weed those people out but in the beginning of the business where you're an easy prey and unfortunately <laughs> people take advantage of that so that's why it's so important i think for us to put in those hours put in the time, put in the years mm -hmm. before you take the big, big leap. Yeah. Start and build that foundation, build a good team around you that you can trust. That yeah. if they say this property is good, you jump. And, but those are, that's going to take time. And so a lot of people wanted the get rich quick method, yeah. you yeah. know, and I think there's a lot of opportunities to make amazing money, but I think people start. need to have a little bit more realistic mindset on what it takes to be a, you know, deca millionaire or a, you know, hundred millionaire. But you know what Grant Cardone never says? He always is like, it's the same amount of work for a $10 million property as it is like a $200,000 property or whatever. But it's not the same risk. And that's what we learned. Like, <laughs> yeah, we get it. It's, it's the same the amount same of work, work, but I mean, we're on, losing I, 200 I, grand, which we already, we probably could have only lost like 20 grand. Like that's not the same risk involved, even yeah, though it's the same right. amount of work. But so yeah, wow, you've been super inspiring so far. So now you're focused, you fully focus on wholesaling, but you said, do you have a division of flipping with your sister? Yeah, I flip houses with my sister, Pace Morby, and his wife, Laura. That's the what we do on our television show, uh, Triple Digit Flip, that's on A&E. The, uh, and that's a fun, that's, that's a lot of fun for us. We, yeah. we flip, you know, a, a few houses every year and, uh, I have a great time with my, my, you know, best friend and my family flipping, flipping those houses. And, and because we have such a, a great wholesale operation, it really lets us find those, those like really juicy diamonds in the rough. So we yeah. have, you know, a little bit of an advantage there because I can look at a property and be like, Ooh, that would be a great one for the show. And then, you know, we can, we, we take it and, and, and flip it on on our television show so it's it's great you know we're also um giving ourselves an opportunity to realize additional revenue by going vertical on those flips mm. as well right so it's 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 a it's a good it's a good addition to our business do you keep any of them long term and how do you decide if you're going to keep it long term like what are the qualifications so myself personally i do I have, uh, I'm, I'm collecting luxury assets, you know, in, in the million to $2 million mark where I, my, my goal is to have around 20 of those where I just have them all paid off at different locations around the, the country. Uh, and then I, I, I do short-term rentals on there. So I have, like, I'm staying at my one here in Marina del Rey right now, and it's right on the water. I'm, you know, looking out at the Pacific right now and doing this podcast with you guys. And, uh, this is one of those assets that I, I own. And I had originally intended on Airbnb being this property, but 
uh, I just love it too much and I don't want strangers sleeping in my bed. So <laughs> we, uh, we, we don't short-term rental this one, but all the other ones that I own, we do short-term rentals on them. And where are you located? Where do you live? I live primarily in Phoenix, Arizona, but I'm I'm here in LA as often as I can be. Yeah, and that's a short, quick flight. Yeah, so mm-hmm. it is. Yeah, forty five minutes. That's kind of cool, though, that you can have your properties in places that you also want to go and visit. I think that is part of our goals too. It's not just like having rentals or having investment properties. Like I want to be able to have houses that I can Airbnb, but also their destination places that I want to go travel Mm -hmm. to. Cause then you have fun along the way too. You just, you don't have somewhere, you know, some investment in a property that you never want to go visit. Like like it's in Georgia. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) I don't want to go to Georgia. What the heck? (laughs) Actually, there's some really beautiful places in Atlanta that. that, (laughs) Actually, Atlanta is really popular. If you haven't hung out there before, I would highly recommend you, you checking it out. There's a neighborhood in Atlanta called Ainsley Park that is like just gorgeous. It's so beautiful there. You should, you should definitely, uh, see what you're missing. Yeah. yeah. And actually a lot of production now, a lot of movie production is in Atlanta. So a yeah. lot's Correct. happening in Atlanta. I, why didn't I not put together that Georgia? <laughs> I know. I think Atlanta yeah. is the home place too. <laughs> right? So you talked I about going- I think you meant Wisconsin. Was, yeah, yeah. I was like, because you say Atlanta, I'm like, well, everyone wants to go to Atlanta, but Georgia just sounds like some sort of like Midwestern <laughs> yeah, place. Yeah. Maybe I'm thinking Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> but you talked about going through the last big recession and, you know, that- is I feel like such an awesome thing. I know that was really, really hard for you, but you probably learned so much through that. And so my question for you is, how are you feeling about (laughs) today's economy and what are you prepping for and what do you think will happen? I mean, I'm a little nervous about today's economy. I'll be 100% uh, transparent. I think that we have not even scratched the surface of the economic turmoil that's coming around the corner I believe that we have printed way too much money yeah. and I don't have a lot of confidence in the plan on how it's going to be rectified, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, however, though, I have always, since the recession, since the Great Recession, I have been a very conservative person. Mm. So I have, like I had mentioned earlier, I I, I no longer do debt. Mm. I, I own everything that I have outright. Wow. Uh, I, I may I may acquire a property very quickly using hard money, but I pay that off as quickly as I as I can. Because my my you know my goal is I want to be able to have at least you know a quarter of a million dollars in monthly income without ever even having to wake up and do anything. Right. And so uh, that's what I'm working towards. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very close uh, with respect to my passive income, uh, you know, with my rentals. And so that's, that's essentially, and I know that this might sound a little bit tone deaf, but you know, I, I'm taking care of myself in that manner. And I'm yeah. teaching the people that are in my community to take care of themselves in that manner as mm-hmm. well. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are, uh, leveraging or using creative finance as their as their way to acquire property. And I have absolutely nothing against it. I think that it's a very smart, uh, as, especially if you're picking up notes that are like two to two to four percent. But when you get beyond that, when you when you start to see people collecting leverage, I, I, I think that it's a it's a dangerous game. And I think that with the with the economy, the way that it is right now, we really don't know what's coming around the corner, mm-hmm. right? We've seen with COVID, we had no idea the way that real estate was going to get affected by COVID, right? Yeah. But but we saw what happened. You know, everyone was trapped in their homes. 
And then all of a sudden, everyone was moving. And then all of a sudden, you know, we have this massive exodus out of California. And then you've got, you know, places like Boise, Idaho popping off. Like, it's like, what, what is going on here? Right. And, and to add to that, I think that if you look at our banking system, yeah, it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. I was just telling you this yeah. yesterday. I went into, because I'm actually heavy. I'm for crypto in the long run. I think there a lot needs to happen. But I was just going in. I was like, the banking system is such a pot. They take your money and then they go yeah. trade it in the markets. You have no money in the account. It yeah. says yeah. $1 million. You have zero in there. So if they don't have the money like happened, they don't but have don't the money. I don't know where your money is safe nowadays, especially when you're just starting out and you don't Property. have that knowledge in maybe real estate yet. You don't have enough knowledge to put all your money into it. Like, where is your money safe? If not the bank, if not 100% real estate. Decentralized like finance. <laughs> <laughs> the, there's a, you know, whole life uh, policies are actually where I would say you have the most security. And, and a lot of people are, are choosing to do this where they're, you know, acting as their own bank, where you can basically, you know, deposit money into a whole life insurance policy and they'll pay you a, a, an incredible return on that, on that deposit. Now, what a lot of people don't realize is that insurance companies are required to, and they're constantly being stress tested, but they need to be able to pay out a hundred percent of their benefits at any time. And so insurance companies are actually way better capitalized than banks. Interesting. But you have to die to get your money, right? No, 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 no. not in a, no, oh. that's, that's a, a complete myth. Oh. So a whole life policies are, are, you know, they're, they're essentially, uh, like financial, it's like a financial institution. You create your own bank. Wow. There's also a lot of money-making opportunities in insurance who people who work in insurance. I, we met a billionaire and we're like, what do you do? He's like, life insurance. He's like, you got, it's the best thing ever. I'm like, mm. so I'll have to pick his brain on that and yeah. see what's all happening with insurance. And be but, careful with that because not all products are, are, are created equal. So yeah. you want to make sure that when you are dealing with or asking uh, somebody that, you know, about advice on this, make sure that they're a fiduciary. Mm. Uh, a lot of financial advisors or people who sell these products are not fiduciaries. And that means that they can sell you products that aren't at, to your benefit. They can sell you products that benefit them more than they do you. Right. However, a fiduciary is required to have your best interests at heart legally. Mm. And they're not allowed to take any kickbacks or any compensation for the products that you, that they sell you. Mm. And so um, there's, they're, they're not incentivized to put you into, into, policies or into situations, they're incentivized to take care of you. So you were talking about creative finance. And I I think when we first got, in, got into real estate, um, it was like six years ago. And it was kind of when the market was like an on and up and up. And when mm -hmm. we started thinking about investing, it was like three years ago, which real estate was going crazy. Everyone was talking about the equity build and leveraging yourself to make more money. If you leverage yourself, you can make 10x more than if you use your own money. And now that we're going into a downturn market, people are starting to get a little bit more like their opinions change a little bit. Like don't over leverage yourself too much. And have you always had that opinion about not over leveraging yourself, even in a market that's like an upturn where you're getting a lot of equity build? Not always had uh, because, yeah. uh, you know, I obviously got kicked in the teeth the, yeah. in the first, my, my first go round. But that, the, I think the trauma and the PTSD from losing everything is, mm -hmm. is what created the, uh, you know, very conservative approach that I take to my investing strategies now. And so, you know, I, 
I, I, I credit going through that for the way that I behave now with my mm-hmm. money. And, and could I have, could I have a lot more right now if I have, if I leveraged a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Now, now let me tell you guys, that, that doesn't mean that I don't ever use leverage. Right. I do. It's just for my own personal assets. I, I, I don't like leverage, but I use hard money when I'm flipping. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm, and, but it's non-recourse. Right. right. And so if I am going to use leverage, I'm going to use leverage that's non-recourse. Cause I would, I, I'm okay to walk away and lose what I've put in, but I'm not okay to have you come and take my home again. Right. Mm. Right. Yeah. And you learn from past. Yeah. yeah, It it is just so funny because obviously, you know, you said you and Pace are amazing friends, right? And you just have very, very, very different different. (laughs) outlooks. And it's cool that you guys can be such good friends, but oh my goodness, it could not be more different. He's very creative finance, figure out how to make the deal happen. Um, You just have to be so smart when you're doing creative finance, which they don't stress enough. Like you got to be an expert at finding the deal. You can't just create a finance on a bad deal because then you like shoot yourself in the foot it needs to be like I mean you know he he he's he's very very good at at being able to understand the note Mm. as an asset class you know and that I, I I had talked to him about this last week where I was like you know it's really interesting that that you know 10 years ago, single family homes were not considered an asset class today they're an asset class yeah I I believe that in the next five years, because of where interest rates are, the two to 4% mortgage will become an asset class. Mm. The only thing that I have concerns about is the way that subject to really is structured is that the financial institution that is involved in that deal isn't on board, right? There is a clause in every mortgage that, that has the potential to be called if a lending institution doesn't like the fact that a property has been transferred. Now, um, to to Pace's um, uh, benefit, he has found solutions to that. And I, I haven't explored them with him, but I, I, I trust that he's been able to figure out how to really calm any anxiety that one might have about the due on sale clause or, or any, you know, potential risks that are involved in creative finance, but he is a special person, Mm -hmm. you know, like he's, he's really, really intelligent and he's figured this out. And I think that the, his community as well, the sub two community, they all uh, are really being led by somebody who is truly a savant when it comes Mm -hmm. to being able to understand creative deal structure. And so, um, you know, if I was going to be the kind of person that did collect leverage, I would do it the way that Pace does. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, just completely different philosophies when it comes to how we invest. And, um, you know, he, we, we, we often go back and forth, right? He's like, you know, Jamil, uh, there's something to be said about the way you do it too, right? I, I, he's like, some days it feels like I would love to be more like you. Yeah. Um, where, you know, instead of having thousands of doors, you have a hundred doors or whatever, and, and, and you, you own them all. And he's like, so it's, 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 it's a different, it's a different approach, but 
you know, we're all, we're all getting to the same thing, which is right. give me the money, honey. Yeah. yeah. And the financial freedom, right? Yeah. That's why it's yeah. important to have that one thing, like you said in the beginning that you're actually passionate about right. that will see you through the hard times and exactly. not trying to do a million things at once. Yeah. And so, I mean, obviously you maybe have a little bit of PTSD from the last recession, but so what is, I want to know your plan, your game plan for the next three to five years. Are you just going to wholesale focus on that? Yeah, I'm I am absolutely focusing on my wholesale business. I am focusing on growing our franchises and continuing to expand our Keegley operation. In addition to that, I've just really been enjoying the community that I've been building with Astro Flipping and mm. I have a tremendous amount of satisfaction from watching other people get success in their life. Mm. You know, it, it's it's really interesting once you have figured out how to make enough money that I, I, I can't spend the money I make, uh, you know, I, I can't. Yeah. Right. So, and I'm a very simple person as well. So it's not like I need all these, you know, fancy, you know, shirts or clothing or anything like that. I'm, I'm just a real normal person. But what really moves me is getting texts from people that I'm coaching to say, Hey man, you know, I, I just made $20,000 and I can't tell you that what that means to me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've never had money like this before. I've, I've been working my entire life with barely $300 in my bank. And today is the first time that I've ever had thousands of dollars in my bank. And, and, and being able to be a part of someone's journey mm. doing that, there's nothing, there's nothing in my life that even comes close. So with that said, for the next three to five years, I'm just, really putting my head down and continuing to grow the community that I've been building. Mm. And I feel that, you know, once there's going to be a point where it's going to burn me out. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no doubt. Cause I'm, I'm going seven days a week right now with respect to just how, how much is on my plate. But I feel like if in five years time, I will have impacted so many lives and been able to help so many people get what they want out of life that even if I did hang it up, I would have felt that it was a really, really good run. Wow. Wow. That's so inspiring. Yeah. And that's super, and you, and you've earned it, you know, and I think that shows when you get that positive feedback that you're doing something so positive and it's not like some people who are, you know, taking from a community, you're really providing so much value, which is so, so beautiful. And we always hope that for the future, even when we get girls that come to us and they're like, I never thought like, you know, a young girl could do it, blah, blah, blah. It's crazy. We talk about all the time, like having our separate audiences. And I love what I did for so long, travel and adventure. And it was an amazing career and I lived an amazing life. But that one text from a girl from Blondes Building Equity versus my millions of followers on other platforms, it's just, it's so crazy how that fills me up so much. And yeah. I'm like, wow, I really touched them. We talk about it all the time. I'm like, I, we really want to be able to make a difference with women and being like, you can do this too. It's a great, you know, career with kids too, that if you get this passive income, you can be an amazing mom. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Yeah, that's hopefully where we're heading. You know, we're trying to put in the, we want to be amazing at it first before we teach anyone else. Yeah. You know, we want it's to be experts. Patience. Patience. I've learned yeah, patience 100%. is like, and, and you, you, guys, have to learn. you guys are really killing it with respect to the content that you're putting. Don't think that you're not helping people. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I, I, I dove into, 
your Instagram feed. And I was really, really impressed. I was impressed with your, not only your projects, but the, the, the level of, of information that you're giving people. It's really, it's really good. And, and, and there's not enough folks that are paying attention to the details that you guys are paying attention to. I mean, look, I'm a wholesaler, which means that I'm primarily my customers are you guys, right? Folks yeah. like you who are fixing and flipping. And, and I see all kinds of shenanigans when it comes to the products that people have put out there. Right. I, I, I hate that. I hate the fact that, that somebody will come in to a neighborhood and do an average job, mm. you know, like there's, there's, where's the excellence mm -hmm. these days, you know? And so you guys are uh, an example of that. You put excellent effort out. And, you know, there was this, the, one of your guys' posts I saw where you did a, a herringbone uh, tile on a backsplash. And, you know, looking at that floating shelf <laughs> that you guys had over there. And I was like, that's a really, really clean look. And then when I heard what you guys had spent on that entire thing, it was like, I think you said $7,000. And I, I thought, man, like, you know, people out there are getting charged like $40,000 for a kitchen. You know, and here you've got your entire kitchen and you described it getting done at 7,000 bucks. I mean, somebody has got to be watching that and thinking, wait, really? Oh, you're, you're literally, you don't know how much that fills me up. This is my passion and this is why <laughs> I love fixing and flipping. You know, I, and that's, I'm, I grew up so frugal, you know, and then what I love design. And so even Jess would come and say, no, the flippers do that ugly design because it's the cheapest. And I'm like, right. no, Jess, I'm telling you, I'm going to make it the same exact price, but look good. Because mm -hmm. it's yeah. obviously, we are flippers. We have to be on a budget, but doesn't mean it can't look good. And I was like, this Chloe tile is cheap but I'm going to lay it in a herringbone and it's going to look like this, you know, we're going to add a floating yeah. shelf yeah. because that cuts, you know, we don't have to buy seven cabinets because yeah. of yeah. that shelf, but it's in right now. It's fun. It's, you know, so and he like, charged us the same amount for doing the herringbone that he would have the regular to placing it the regular way. That was some negotiation, <laughs> but because <laughs> he wanted to charge more for the herringbone laying yeah, it, sure. but you know, we made it work because we give him other jobs and stuff like that. But yeah, I think there is so much of a way to make both mm -hmm. design and, you know, project management costs work. Cause yeah. so that's what I'm obsessed with. And I can like, I, cause I get all my, my stuff. I get it from Amazon. I get it from house. I get it from places like that. All my fixtures are from Amazon, but I do crazy research on the reviews. I look into yeah. what looks good. You put intentional time into it, which is, I think, a lost art in the flipping business because it is all about the numbers and the money. And for us, we're able to forego a little bit of the profit just for our name to be and our reputation, yeah. just to be a little bit cleaner, to have like the design and the details matter because we want that to be a part of our brand. Yeah, like I would love someone to be like, you know, there are name brand homes now, yeah. you know, and it's like maybe it's not you're not getting like this crazy unique home but if someone was like oh I would love a blondes building equity home you know <laughs> I'd be like yes that <laughs> for me would be yeah. so fun and so amazing so, do, yeah. do, do either of you ever get tempted to not be blonde 
<laughs> oh, I'm not even blonde. We came right, up with I, that name like seven years ago or six years ago when we were both bleach blonde. Now we're both growing. I know, out like of it. both our roots are yeah, growing and we're like brown. And I'm not, I'm not dyeing my hair anymore because I kind of just like it natural. But our name is Wands Building Equity, so I'm not quite sure. We may have to change it to Burnett's Building Equity. Well, we started as Kins and Jess Realty because we were agents. We yeah. weren't investors until you know recently, but we were agents, so maybe we <laughs> might need to be Kins and Jess something. Yeah, we might change it because I'm not going to go blonde anymore. <laughs> yeah, we got to navigate. But, it, you know, we value building a brand. And I think yeah. a lot of people have really seen that on social media. They're following the Ryan Pineda method, you know, yeah. where you build fall. Like it really shows what it can do. And we've known that because we've built our brands in the past in other um, genres. And now I'm like, we value that so much. So we'll have really have to think about the name because <laughs> we are going all out on the brand. And I, th I think we're excited, hopefully, you know, two young girls is something unique and different to the real right. estate world. But putting yeah, in the actual time true. and work. Yeah. That's right, what we right. learned too. Not just to be like those girls right away and doing million dollar deals. Like, I think we kind of have been humbled a little bit and we're learning like to when we do teach people, patience is something that is at the forefront that we want to teach people. Like it doesn't happen overnight. And we're not here to sell you the dream overnight. We're here to sell you the inspiration for a long-term business if you want to put love the time it. in. Yeah. My last question for you, because I, I would love to know, is what is your best um, strategy to find deals? Are you cold calling? Are you doing, you know, TV ads? I know so many people have different strategies. What's yours? So my most lucrative strategy for finding deals is working with real estate agents, actually. Nice. I have perfected a, an outreach process that we call and have, have coined agent outreach, where we will communicate with real estate agents and, and follow up with them in a very intentional and, and timed process where we get their pocket listings before they're listed on the MLS. Wow. And so I have not only mastered that approach, but, you know, my entire company is, is based off of collaborating and working with real estate agents. Mm. And everybody that I teach is also being taught how to work and network with real estate agents to do their business. Now, here's mm. the beauty of doing that. So a lot of people who are in my game, they cold call, right? And, and so let's look at that for a moment. In order to get a deal, cold calling, you need to talk to at least 200 homeowners, yeah. mm -hmm. all right? Now, not only do you have to talk to 200 homeowners, but you're going to need to talk to that homeowner roughly 8 to 16 times before the deal gets done. Yeah, we've been there. Ooh. Right? <laughs> so now think about that. As soon as that deal is done, is there another deal around the corner with that same homeowner? Not, Very likely, no. Not likely. It's done. All that effort, all that time for one deal. As opposed to when you work with a real estate agent and you perform well, there can be another deal. Wow. And another deal. Mm -hmm. And another deal. And so my entire personal, my personal wholesale uh, leads it's all inbound now. Mm -hmm. I don't even have to call anybody. Every single day I get dozens and dozens and dozens of addresses from agents who know me, like me, trust me, know I perform. And I just deliver them what price I'll pay for a house. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm. So I've built my business up to a level now where everything I get is referral. 
Everything wow. I get is inbound. It, can you imagine that? That's I crazy. have one real estate agent that I make a million dollars a year with. If I didn't, if I didn't answer anybody else's calls but her calls, I would make a million dollars a year incoming. Wow. And how have you effectively built out your buyer's list on the other end? Well, that's the thing that Keeg Lee is known for, right? We're a disposition house. So we use a number of different strategies on how we build our buyer's list. But, you know, the, the, the most lucrative or the most effective way to build your buyer's list is, is looking at the tax records. I mean, there's, there's really no secret sauce in that regard. It is a painstaking process of looking at who is transacting, who's buying uh, cash or, or using hard money or private money mm-hmm. loans mm-hmm. to take their properties down. And then, you know, skip tracing or, or, or doing some uh, work to find out who the principles of that organization are and then connecting with them. Right. Another really solid hack that I have for people that might be in the wholesale game right now and, and are looking for buyers, this is one that is is really good if you're looking for a specific uh, buyer for a deal right now. So one thing that my team does every single day is we'll look at the MLS and we'll see all of the properties that have been listed today that appear to be flipped properties, all right? Mm-hmm. And how do we know it's a flipped property? Well, a lot like what you guys do when you're listing your houses, they'll be very nicely remodeled. Uh, they'll typically be staged, but there won't be any clothes in the closet, mm. empty closets. So if I see empty closets and, and it be owned by an LLC, what I'll do is I'll actually go to open corporates, opencorporates.com. I'll find out who the principal of that entity is. I'll then go to true people search or batch skip tracing, whichever and I'll skip trace that individual, and then I'll call them. Now, my pitch is very simple. I just saw that you listed a property today on the MLS. It looks like a flip house. Uh, great job, by the way. I think you did a phenomenal remodel on that. I'm wondering, since you just listed that one, are you in the market to pick up another? And nine out of 10 times, as soon as a rehabber lists their flipped property, they're ready to pick up another deal. And so for me, I've had a tremendous amount of success selling properties to people who have just recently listed a flip. Such a good idea. Yeah. This- Cause we get that too. When we listed Rosewood, like we had so many phone calls like, hi, I just saw you, you flipped this house. Are you, they, they knew we were investors at that point. Yeah. And we, yeah, we they, were also they like, we learned that strategy from me. I, 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 <laughs> I know. I I'm like, wait a second. A little bit. Yeah. But we were, I think the personal approach of them being like, I loved the design that you did. And like, when they compliment us, we're like, Oh my God, what? like thank you, you know? And we're like, we trust them a little bit more because they're, it's flattering. <laughs> we're like, you really liked it. Of course. <laughs> I know. It's wasn't immediately it disarming job? because they found alignment with you. Right. And right. so, uh, I, I, I love it. Probably. Well, it was one of your students actually. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, great approach. I loved it. Yeah. I was like, listen, we're not in the market now, but we will be. And you're the first one we're going to call. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And then that person's job is to continuously follow up with you, right? Yeah. Not in an annoying way, but in a, in, in a way where you won't forget who they are. Right. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. Wow. I feel like this added so much value and we appreciate you so much. Everybody listening, you guys, he is so, so busy. So make sure you go. We'll leave the links below of the best ways to find him. Um, Go give him a follow. Go check him out. Check out his coaching program because he added so much free value to you guys today. So make sure you guys go check him out. We really, really appreciate you coming on. And if you're ever in LA or ever anywhere, you have a friend in us. Appreciate you both. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Bye.